listen to hair on. From hair on, I'm listening to hair on. Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still gotta keep the world together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who gon' do it like, like us? Birds of a feather flock together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still kicking facts up under pressure, yeah, yeah. Hello, and thank you for joining us on Heron's Home Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Robertson, alongside my sound man extraordinaire, Rico G. What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? And welcome to the studio for episode 139. We moving along. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yes, sir. I want to start out with, uh, this is going to become a reoccurring segment again because we back in that season. So I'm going to give my RIPs, RIP Andrew Brown Jr., RIP Mario Arnales Gonzalez, murdered by Alameda Police. It's 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 happening, man. Like I'm I'm interested to see how many turns of this cycle we have to have before it actually becomes a a majority issue, where the majority of people see it. Because minority people have always seen careful issues. It's been happening for a while, and they still haven't. They still haven't. So I know. Careful with that one. I know. I could be holding my breath to my own detriment on that. But yeah, welcome everyone. I hope everyone's been enjoying the show. We're on 139, man. We've been doing this for a minute. You know, yeah. when we first started, you know, I was, I was happy just to have people listening. But, you know, we got a back catalog now. We have a decent amount of uh, content for people to enjoy. So if you like it, please consider uh, uh, supporting us in any way that you feel is is adequate. You can subscribe on anchor.fm, you know, if you want to hit us up with that monetary uh, support or just follow us on Twitter and talk with us. We appreciate all of that as well. But yeah, man, you've been watching anything interesting. I've been storing it up. I've been storing it up because I got Well, I have. Yeah, I didn't get a chance. That's the a only series, thing I got to watch. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar. Okay, okay. I know, <laughs> I know that I've been talking about it like it's a uh, a movie, but it is a series. I'm pretty sure so. I. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that it was a Netflix series oh, when series? I spoke to when I when I initially oh, okay. brought it up. Yeah, no, I was. I'm just so blinded by by also, the excitement. I mean, that's I typically movie, how it goes, matter. though. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they. Generally, like, it's much more rare that you'll get, like, a standalone anime movie than you will get a series. Okay. You know well, I, I'm happy. You know, I'm pleasantly surprised because, you know, I, I stopped consuming Netflix series as frequently. So I was just prepared for a movie. But I saw the that um, Flying Lotus was, was promoting and he was like, yo, this is just the first six episodes in this world. If you guys really support, it's coming more. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I love when the when. Uh, there's the prospect of expansion. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I feel like I'm going to enjoy this. Just I could tell from the art style, story. It's got everything lined up. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely looking good. You know what I'm saying? So I haven't watched it yet, so we'll talk about that next time for sure. <laughs> there's, um, did you watch uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier? No, nah, I didn't get okay. to watch that. The only thing I, I caught um, in the last couple of days was uh, I saw episode one of Primal, which is, um, oh, it's, uh, it's the newest show. I believe it's the newest show by Gendy Tartakovsky, who's the... Um, creator and uh, animation director of Dexter's Lab. Samurai oh, I love Jack, that. Oh, all, all okay, he's sold. So, sold to the um, man who made Dexter's Lab. I saw the 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 preview for it, or the, the little promo visual for it, and it was about a caveman who it was about a caveman living with a dinosaur. So I, I, oh, okay. I was kind of intrigued, but I was like, I don't, know, I don't know if I'm like fully sold with it yet. But Otto um, pretty much gave it a glowing review. And then I, at that time, I didn't even know it was Gandhi Tartakovsky. I didn't even know that until I watched the episode and then saw the credits, and I was like, "Oh, that makes so much sense." Yeah, like, <laughs> but um, it's it was really dope. There's no dialogue at all in episode one. I'm not sure if the show has dialogue. 
But hmm. um, yeah, the, the the cave. It starts off with the caveman. His family gets eaten by a dinosaur. Um, he he gets like super depressed to the point of suicide, but he decides against it and continues on living his life. Where he encounters a dinosaur who pretty much goes through the same thing. That I think it's the same dinosaur that ate his family. Comes around and just like starts eating that dinosaur's cubs. So like in basically in like fury, like oh that's the nigga that ate my family type shit. He fights the dinosaur with the um with the with the smaller dinosaur, and at the end of the first episode, they become like traveling companions. It looks like, but it is it is um, it is it is sounds dope. fucking amazing super to dope. me. <laughs> like that yeah. description, I'm like, I, wow, that's I, I I was just like hanging on to your word, like oh shit, yeah, it, okay, it's, and that's it. just no dialogue, and that's just thirty minutes, bro. Not even thirty minutes. So it's like twenty three minutes. So I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of the series. It looks like they have a ton of them. It's an adult uh, an adult swim show, and so it's on HBO. Um, it's on HBO Max because you know I guess Time Warner, so they Perfect. have all of um, <laughs> uh, 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 adult some stuff. But that yeah, that's the only thing I saw. But that, that, that it was it was pretty cool. I'm, I'm definitely going to catch up on that. So we'll talk more about that next time. Is there is it an ongoing season? season or can we just binge it in i think there are two seasons available oh, currently oh so then right, first right. season is done deal so definitely yeah. let's let's check uh let's, let's catch up on that because that sounds amazing it's primal it looked, it looked pretty sick yeah okay yeah. um because then we also got uh so we got yasuke on the uh come up we'll talk about falcon winter soldier next time we'll probably have to put primal off to another one because Falcon and winter soldier i think it's going to be a long conversation again yeah i'm not i don't, I don't think i'm gonna that's way too much stuff to watch watching what we time you yeah, feel yeah, me yeah, yeah. so i i'm i'm i don't even know when i'm getting back to primal because there is a lot of stuff before that like mugen train came out this weekend Ooh. so i don't even know if i'm Warrior gonna watch train? that is that what we're doing nah uh, uh uh from um from demon slayer for oh, okay. uh, for anyone who isn't familiar though like um uh, Demon Slayer is this cool ass anime that came out a few years back about this kid who's a very uh, uh he's a very very uh diligent and hardworking older brother for a family of like four or five kids and just his moms and in episode 1 he leaves to go like sell some chopped wood to help out the family and on his way back he couldn't make it back at night, so he had to sleep by this fucking. Oh wait, didn't we? Yes, you. We have uh, definitely. I was, I was like, didn't we before. watch it together? Okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, so in the beginning, like, uh, and that night where he couldn't make it home, his family gets killed by a demon, and his sister gets turned into a demon. And the show is about definitely, yeah, 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 yeah. I and the show, show is about him, um, trying to get her, trying to keep her from going into a complete demon and trying to reverse the show is the amazing. Process. It's a really and, cool show. Yeah. And to that point, um, that movie Demon Train has broken every single movie record in Japan, and it's oh, only so been it's out movie since to last that year. Series, yes. Oh, oh yeah. So, That's I'm not sure if I should watch the movie now, or, or if we catch, or if, or if I should catch up on the season on the um the manga because the manga is manga is actually complete. Oh, so and I don't know where that movie falls in the storyline. I don't want to like mm. fucking ruin shit for me and shit. So, but you know, I'm. I'm super hyped to see it just for the reason why, like, that shit dethroned, like, all the Studio Ghibli movies. Literally over the course really? of 2020, it broke every, like, it is the number one selling movie in Japan right now, anime movie, like, of all, of all time wow. in Japan. And that shit came out last year, so. I mean, it beat Akira, because, I mean, Akira said it real. Yeah. Wow. I'm telling I'm you. Impressed. I'm telling you. I'm it impressed. slayed every, everybody that had a record in Japan. Was Demon like, Slayer slayed it last year. <laughs> feel me? Call him record breaker. Dead, son. Like, that shit, uh, even when it went overseas, it was still breaking records. Like, like it did really well for its theater release and shit like that, because they released it, um, what kind of shit, but 
I'm, I'm excited to do that. Also, they just dropped a preview for, I haven't seen it, but they just dropped a trailer for Castlevania season four mm-hmm, on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I did see that. Definitely want to look forward to that. There's a lot, there's a lot of super Yeah, there's a lot out. of stuff to watch. All right, so we'll, 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 we'll take a little bit of time and, and structure it out so we can set up the conversations. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Finally, we're in entertainment season. <laughs> yeah, dude. Because let me tell you, man, it. I think it was a little bit lackluster. I think we were super grateful for having something to entertain us during uh lockdowns but it i don't know i don't think it was as great as we would we could have gotten if everything was still open like i'm really happy that that things are getting to some semblance of normal when it comes to those studios because we're getting some awesome shit now like comic books are in full full swing movies are back in full swing but dude did you hear about this shit with hbo max where they're about to start um they're about to create a separate HBO Max services uh, with decreased, uh, call, like uh, the subscription fee is decreased, but it has ads. That's I'm like, hilarious. I'm like, I really hope this Who fails. Who the fuck wants ads, bro? Thank you. I'll pay to not have the ads. Like, <laughs> really? people are fucking funny. You know, like, are, That's are, hilarious. Are they, and, and you know what sucks? Because think about it. When you think about the, the structure of their business plan, pretty much they're saying, if you're poor, we want to be able to advertise to you. It's like, why do you want to advertise to poor people? Like, like I don't get it. Like, why are you trying yeah, to you advertise more to the, people? Poor people are the, the ones spending their money. Targeted yes. demographic in America. Farmed, bro. Everybody targets poor people. The bro, fuck? I will silence any ad. I don't even give a fuck if it's for something that I actually uh, like. I, I put every ad on mute. I don't. I try my best not to like... Kendrick be exposed to ads. I don't know what you're talking about putting ads on mute. How do you receive ads well, to put I them mean, on mute? You feel me? Because we got a smart TV. We, you know, not all of our devices oh, have ad blockers. That's it. Oh yeah, that, that's yeah. I'll never get a smart TV for that very reason. That's understandable. Just, if somebody it, told that me, that doesn't make any sense. It literally doesn't make any sense that you forcibly put ads onto my TV when I'm not watching something <laughs> that is typically associated with ads. ads. It's fu- Yannick's is wild, but mm-hmm. you know. No respect for ad companies because them niggas is tripping. I hate those niggas. <laughs> the show, show. Y'all are wild, man. Ads? Yeah, no, sorry. Ad block all day. I hate ads because they don't, no one interfaces with them like the manipulation that they are. It's like, yo, ads are literally there to disinform you. And that's a problem. Like, I don't know why in a consumer society, the public has just decided they don't want to know the information that's in their best interest. But I, I, I think we do understand that it's part of the American culture that they've developed to create the population that they have today. Because there's no way that the American politicians would get away with the shit that they that they do today if it wasn't for the complacency of the American public. And I think that ads and marketing and advertising has done a, a large portion to pacifying the American people, for sure. But anyway, rant. Um... Yeah, but beyond that, it's been a pretty busy uh, uh, news week. There's been a ton of shit happening. Um, let's see. Let's start off in some entertainment. Oh, man, this was great. Let's, yeah, let's start off with some fun topics. So Twitter decides that they think that Freddie Gibbs is inappropriate. And I'm sitting here like, wait a second. So when Freddie Gibbs was posting pictures of 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 crackheads fighting, that wasn't inappropriate. But if he shows somebody having a mental breakdown on the job and says that they shouldn't have a gun, that's inappropriate. This is this is one of the many examples of how the 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 Twitter sphere is so clearly not real life. Like it can't be real life. 
Like these people are clearly living in a fantasy world. And it's also very indicative of the of the of the the shitty liberal bubble that most people live in. Because a lot of the people who are complaining about this absolutely have no problem with what he posted. They're only feigning outrage to get clicks. And that shit is fucked up to me. But, you know, Freddie Gibbs is immune to the bullshit because he is the the creator of the bullshit. <laughs> that nigga was... That, he, not only was he recalcitrant to the idea of of what he was doing was wrong, but he was absolutely inviting them to like, yo, if you could cancel me on Twitter, please do it. And I love that kind of brazen behavior mm-hmm. because it, it's some bullshit. First of all, I consider Freddie Gibbs' social media personality a comedian. And if you're going to start getting mad at comedians for saying that mentally ill people shouldn't have guns, you've lost ev- you've lost all the fights. There's no fights that you're going to be able to stand on at this point. No one's going to take you seriously. That shit is crazy. But, you know, it's once again indicative of of the whole the whole uh social media internet uh space is just rife with people who who are are not only hypocrites but not self-aware. You know what I mean? Like I could deal with a hypocrite that's self-aware because at least you know they're doing it on purpose. But when you're a hypocrite and you lack self-awareness, you then you genuinely are heading down a road that's only going to lead to to more of your own mental anguish because you're going to keep on running in that circle of trying to uh, validate your hypocrisy and it's never going to be successful. Never. But, you know, honestly, you know, Twitter has managed to monetize that. That's their whole business model. That is literally their business model. Always from day one, their whole business model is making money off of you (laughs) overreacting to stupid shit. To stupid shit. Dumb shit. And it's so funny. I love, I love when I catch myself Right before I hit tweet and I just delete it because I know that I've just done something right. Like if 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 I have stopped myself from tweeting, that's the that's the indicator that, oh, OK, you've definitely thought enough about this process to realize that you can't fucking delineate your whole idea in a tweet. Get the fuck out of here. But yeah, I thought that shit was hilarious. Freddie Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs is absolutely I believe immune to the whole idea of of cancel culture because that nigga has made his whole persona off of the off of uh, ideas that cancel culture would try to attack. Yeah, I mean, truthfully, I think most people are actually immune to couch cancel culture. You feel me? Unless you're being a gross fuck up in public, like most of the time they'll try to smear your name with stupid shit, but you know, mm-hmm. it's it's stupid shit. It's not gonna stick. Yeah, and. Because of the nature of the 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 internet news cycle, that sh- it, it, it's irrelevant. It's just going to become like fucking and pointless yeah. in fifteen more minutes. Case in point, know. next story. <laughs> because it's irrelevant. It really is, and it's just it's sad to see how many people who I thought were genuinely intelligent people getting caught up into this. That's really the only reason why I feel like it's even necessary to address. Because I feel like. You know, people should be aware that a lot of this is manufactured so that they don't succumb to it. <laughs> like that's going to help. <laughs> no, I, well, it helped me because I used to, I mean, I used yeah. to be all over that shit. <laughs> but that's you. And then I realized. Really? Also, like, it's it's not 
like a linear progression for everybody. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not like people are going to be like, oh, shit, it's fake. And then they're going to switch over and start treating it like they should. Right. It's definitely something that you have people, to experience. And then it's again, it's yeah. not the technology. It's, it's the, the inside. Yeah, it's yeah. the inside of us. Mm-hmm. If, if the people don't have the core within themselves to be better than that, to not recognize the when they're being hypocrites on the Internet or when people are taking them for a ride or shit like that, the cycle will just continue. True. And I and I don't want to project because this is something that I do. Like I've been in a Twitter conversation and someone presented information to me and changed my mind. So I and it is funny. So I had a, a, a back and forth with someone on Twitter and they convinced me that I, I was missing a, a point in the in the topic. And then someone else chimed in and was like, why don't you just delete the tweet? And I'm like, why? <laughs> this was a conversation. I grew from the conversation. Why would I run from that? Why would I delete the tweet? Maybe other people who th- are thinking like me can read this and actually progress their mindset. But, I mean, clearly I'm using Twitter wrong. Yeah, that's not what people use Twitter for. I'm definitely what? using Twitter wrong. Who the fuck is using Twitter to expand their mindset? You know, and that's the sad part is because it could really do that. It really could be such a great platform if it wasn't for the shitty people using it. Like, if humans weren't so bad at, at, at just being existing, man, things like Twitter could be awesome. But, I mean, you know. say la <laughs> uh, Dude, okay. So, did you see this whole controversy that everybody was mad that Farrakhan was speaking at DMX's funeral? No. Oh, my gosh, bro. This shit was stupid. So, first of all, Farrakhan is a, is a monumentous pillar in the African-American community. So... The fact that he took his time out to give words of praise to DMX was awesome, was amazing. This man took his time out. Someone who is in, who is a, a gatherer of men, a purveyor of, of of liberation in the black community, really came because you don't see. Yeah, I ain't see Al Sharpton. Thank I ain't see. I ain't see. Thank uh, God. We don't want Al Sharpton. We don't want him. But I'm saying the other people who claim to be pillars in the African American community, I didn't see them coming out for 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 DMX. You know, you I could say whatever I want about our Congresswoman Karen Bass, but when Nipsey passed, she honored him and entered his name into the congressional record as a hero of his town. I feel like DMX was probably a bigger figure than Nipsey. I love Nipsey. Nipsey is one of my greatest inspirations in my life but i think that dmx as an artist and as a person helped a lot more people like he he was active you know what i mean yes he had his problems yes he did a lot of crazy shit that does not make irrelevant all of the of the things that dmx did and people and the things that people did in dmx's name like not only did dmx put his 10 toes on the ground but he inspired other people to do that as well and so i feel like i feel like all of this controversy around louis farrakhan is completely misplaced it's i feel like the controversy should be that more black leaders were unaware of the positive uh uh uh, contributions of dmx you know what i mean like i think that that the real travesty here is that there wasn't a bigger swelling upswelling of 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 love for this man who did so many great things in his life you know what i mean but that is what it is i thought it was some bullshit on the other hand too though you know um what's his name swiss beats who was right there at his show said 
hey, if you weren't around when he was alive, don't show up now. You know what I mean? So there's also that sentiment there from a lot of people where it's like, hey, if you weren't there when he was going through the struggles, don't show up now when he's passed away to start throwing accolades that are no longer of use to him. So that's also it's also important to keep that aspect of it that a lot of people see it that way. Like, I personally don't agree with it. I think, you know, it to me, it, it makes sense that when someone passes, yes, that is a time where you would come and pay respects. I don't I mm-hmm. personally do not understand. Well, I do. But you understand, understand the, the words itself. Yeah. Yes. But I, 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 it's, I feel like it defeats the purpose. But then again, I'm also like. I, I, I have a hard time like putting on airs. So mm-hmm. like whenever I do this things, I do facts. it generally for the reason why it's being done. But I know mm-hmm. a lot of people, they, they see, okay, now is the time to post stuff for DMX. Mm-hmm. Now is the time to do this for DMX wearing like five minutes prior. They weren't doing that. So, and also we can't, we also have to acknowledge that in the later parts of his life, while DMX was active, he was also not the most accessible person because of the issues that he was going through. So, you know, I would, and, and so I'm completely of your of your mindset. I, I agree with you 100%. I would like genuine displays, but I, I am not the arbiter of who has the right to, 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 to grieve in public or not. And so I genuinely am open to it as long as it's, it's represented in the light that focuses on the person who passed. And so I agree with you generally. And, and, and moreover, yeah, and, and as I was just saying, you know, I think I definitely think it's a time when you're a public figure. You know what I mean? Like this is not a person who did great things behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah. When, when you have someone who did great things behind the scenes, I'm not really that interested in the public shows of affection. I want to hear from the people who they helped. I want to give them a platform, the people who they touch. But when you're talking about a, a public figure like DMX, who, who, who had an international range, I'm a little bit more open to the idea that people are going to, to make public statements, especially people who they worked with. You know what I mean? But yeah, nonetheless, I just thought I just wanted to 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 totally derail the conversation about uh, Louis Farrakhan because it's a completely useless one. Louis Farrakhan is an amazing, uh, 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 as I said, pillar of the community. And I'm glad that he took the time out to give some words of honor to to X in his passing. X, I'm, I know X would have appreciated it. X's family knows he would have appreciated it. That's why they invited him to speak. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I just thought that that was that was worth uh, commenting on real quick. So I know that in the past couple episodes, I've been shitting all over that movie Nomadland. Um, even though the the, the Asian American woman who created—I don't know if she's Asian American. I know she's Asian, but the woman who created it, you know, is breaking all kinds of barriers and all that good stuff. I think the movie was trash. I don't think it speaks anything of the director. I think the d- director could possibly be a good director. But this material was just bad for her to work on. But um, it still did give me some pause because I was unaware that Chloe Zhao is also the director of The Eternals. And then she made a statement after she won the Oscar for Nomadland that her, that the unique direction that she brought to that movie will also be present in The Eternals. And all that told me was that I'm probably going to skip The Eternals. Because I didn't like Nomadland. And if she's bringing that tone to Nomadland, I'm just good. Like, hey, if man. she's doing something new and she's just going with the look, Eternals, look, cool. Curry, look, But I don't want to see that look, shit. There has never been a director in the Marvel Universe that got to do what they wanted on a Marvel picture without the explicit 
fucking say so and okay of um uh whatchamacallit of uh, I agree. uh, uh, uh Kevin Feige. That's a whole reason why uh yeah, that's why Ant Man took so long to make because the mm-hmm. original director wanted to make his own style, mm. which is what they hired him for. And then they went to like three different directors until they got the Marvel way. Gotcha. Well, I mean, so so my my whole mind my my, my wheels are spinning in the direction of oh, no, they I got chose you. her it's, it's because like they thing. wanted some of her elements in there. No? But yeah, that's always why they choose yeah. a director. But at the same time, it's when you direct a Marvel Studios movie, yeah. you are not really the direct director as if you were directing your own movie. Mm. You feel me? That is a very corporate movie. Well, I wouldn't say corporate. It's mostly because Kevin Feige knows but what studio he's doing. studio-oriented, for sure, yeah. not corporate. I would but it, it's, like, it's like, it's not the type of movie where I, like, it, Marvel Studios is not the type of studio where a director just comes in. <laughs> you feel me? Like, they replace people that you know. True. Because they're, they're doing shit that Wrong. is not fitting with their, their vision for the movie. So it's like, you know, while, while I do understand that, you do tend to, like you said, mentioned last week, you and your expectations, especially when it comes to movies, they be skewed all the time. But, you know, I don't think, you don't really got to worry about it. I don't think, personally, I don't think you got to worry about this one all that much. <laughs> I, I would have preferred her to say that she's in, I, I, if she, that she was excited to to branch out into a new genre and bring but i'm telling you man nomadland was so like if you watch no like also you gotta understand they're two completely different genres of movie you can't really compare those two things you'd think but i definitely okay let me think of an example (laughs) of of where a director totally derailed but is it a marvel studios film though i i I, that's the difference it's not a marvel Marvel studios is very very different when it comes to making films than other studios mm-hmm. that's why other studios are emulating marvel because okay because I, they're not right? pursuing the they're, they're not pursuing mm-hmm. a hollywood format they're pursuing a format that works for them and hollywood mm-hmm. happens to like and benefit from that format so they like money you feel me <laughs> so that's that's why they're all trying to create fucking franchises and can't do it because they're focuses on the wrong thing they're focuses on the money yeah but, you know it's, it's probably just her saying shit <laughs> true true she's she's you know she just got off the oscar yeah, win she, she was just high on her oscar. own shit she, she was like yo buzz for the shit that she's watch about what to i do, do to future. this next shit nigga nah <laughs> but i'm um, totally skipping the eternals now it's not happening no nah, 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 nah. <laughs> well no it, honestly no, i actually absolutely if you put a director on a film that i know that i don't like the director's style Yes, I will probably skip the film and hope that the reviews can convince me that it's worthwhile watching. Because, I mean, I don't spend my time if I know that I'm not going to like it. Yeah. That's my only issue. You know what I mean? And so, why I don't doubt that. I mean, that's a completely understandable issue. Why would anybody want to waste their time? I'm not, I don't want to put it out there that I don't think she can make a good movie because that's not where I'm going. I was I was just off put by the fact that she said that she was bringing the elements of yeah, that you thought directorial that she's style. Gonna, you thought that like, she's going to make a superhero movie the same tone as the movie about yeah. homeless people. That's what you heard. <laughs> That's what I heard. I was like, yeah. no, that don't even make no sense. Those two things. Like, <laughs> the, Listen, it, it was just I, it don't make sense. Styles, but I don't mean they can't the try. Two <laughs> styles clash too much. They do. They they clash a lot for them to ever ever work cohesively for a superhero movie that's supposed to be about fucking interstellar or, or not even interstellar but like f- celestial level heroes that are like timeless eternals yeah you know i mean like that's just crazy like that's a but i will say this is that what she means in is her style her i do recognize shit, a certain 
uh, ability to create a, a melodrama that I think will fit very well with Eternals. Because Eternals is a very dramatic story. Like when it term when I'm talking about like the interpersonal relations, like Thanos' parents, like that whole situation, his situation with his brother, his situation when when he, that drives him to begin the arc of evil, his love of Mistress Death, like Thanos' whole whole storyline is a very dramatic one. You know, there's a lot of interpersonal drama going on. Um but did they get away from Thanos' storyline about him and Mistress Death? They're not doing that, yep. right? They re- reboot, son. Completely went away. Reboot. Yeah. Apparently, oh, that's right, because they changed his motivations to be like the balance, e- ecological. Equality, like yeah. he's trying to balance the ecology of the universe when really in the comics he wanted to slaughter half the universe to impress Mistress Death. Yes, yes. And he keeps getting cucked by Deadpool. Cucked! But isn't it, man, they, they made Mistress Death really a spiteful woman. Yes, like, she, she wants I mean, the one death, soul that she can't have she's in love with. Like, that's some bullshit. Well, that makes total sense. You feel me? It makes total sense. For someone who has everything and always gets what they want, quite naturally, it seems the one thing they can't have would be the most alluring. For real. But yeah, so there was that. JBP? JBP, them boys is back to business. Not really, though. <laughs> I listened to the latest episode. Joe and the guys started getting, uh, got back together. Rory and Maul were on the on the pod. Um, Ish and Ice, I guess, took the took the episode off. But boy, <laughs> got replaced already. God damn. Well, they they were Niggas the replacements. Came back and they slid out. Hey, hey, dog, that's my seat, my nigga. You well, I want to. I, I will start this out by saying honestly, in my opinion, what I would like to see is to see two pods. Like Joe could really do. I mean. I mean, time-wise, I don't know. I can't, I'm not delegating his time. But I'm just saying in terms of uh, what the fans are are interested in consuming, I think that there is absolutely an appetite for a Joe Budden with Rory and Maul pod and a Joe Budden with Ice and Ish pod. Because there's two totally separate demographics. Like, Ice and Ish are grown-ass men with grown-ass men ideas, and they, they dis- and they're, they are Joe's peers. So Joe talks to them different. And I think that's one thing that Joe never realizes, like how implicitly he changes his tone depending on who he's talking to mm-hmm. and how obvious it is to the people he's talking to. You know what I mean? Like people, because Joe talks so fucking much, everyone knows how Joe sounds when he's speaking. You know what I mean? And so when he takes a, a, a weird tone with his co-host, it's painfully evident, not just to the co-host, but to everyone else listening. You know what I mean? And so those conversations go way left. <laughs> but when he's talking with Ice and Ish, he talks to Ice and Ish on a level of respect that he doesn't have for Rory and Maul. So that pod has a totally different tone, which I appreciate. Not to mention that it is kind of entertaining seeing the contention. And it's not easy to duplicate because, you know, not everyone has those kind of relationships. So I appreciate the interactions between Rory, Maul, and Joe. But it's a different pod. So I would love to see him branch off and maybe do, you know, one episode of each a week or something of that nature. But that's on them. You know, I don't know how they're going to go forward. But back to 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 the most the latest uh, episode of drama. Boy, it was a very, very enlightening episode when it comes to how one deals with their rising uh, uh, stature when it comes to building a 
business or network or something of that nature. Joe is absolutely not the person who you want to do this with. I've come clearly, I've clearly come to understand that because if they were being as transparent as they said that they were during this episode, Joe does not have respect for other people. And it's not like a, it's not like a malicious thing. He just doesn't know how to respect other people, whether it's his personal relationships, his business relationships, or his friends' relationships. Because throughout the course of this podcast, I he's literally, by his own admission, disrespected the people closest to him on all three of those levels. <laughs> With the exception of Parks and Ian. So Joe seems to show deference to white people to their face, but not black people. He doesn't talk to Parks a certain way. But and he doesn't talk to Ian a certain way, but he has the nerve to tell and, and I can't just say white people because he talks to Rory a certain way. But Rory is a young white person, so he has a whole nother demographic issue to deal with there. But this nigga told Maul to his face that the podcast is, business is none of his business. <laughs> now, if I came to you and said I had a problem with X, Y, Z. And then you presented me with your perspective. And I told you that the podcast was none of your business. Would you come back to record the next day? It's a little, it's a little skewed. Like, like you, it, it would be a question though, right? Yeah. It would be a question. <clears throat> and so, yeah, though the guys didn't come back because Joe decided to be disrespectful and asked them to sit out. And then when they sat out, Joe said, oh, see, what happens now? The show got to go on, right? <laughs> and it's like, but Joe, you sat them out, nigga. Like, stop doing that. Like, that kind of gaslighting pisses me off. Like, and that's how I know I could never deal with someone like Joe in a business setting. Because if you gaslight me like that, I do exactly what Maul did. Peace, nigga. Eat the whole bag of dicks. Oh, man. Don't even try me like that. You know what I mean? Like, I know that I can get disrespectful and rude at times. But at no point do I stand on the idea that my rudeness should be dealt with because I'm the boss. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. If you have an abrasive personality, that's one thing. People get to choose whether they deal with you. And so if you have an abrasive personality, people get to choose to not deal with your abrasive personality. But when you... When you are in a situ uh, a work situation, you can't just say, deal with my abrasive personality. That's not how that works. If you can't deal with me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. No, I don't like that phrase. <laughs> I, I hear people. You're not supposed to like that phrase. Oh, okay. It's a stupid phrase that I thought people. So. It's a stupid phrase that people with poor personal Thank fucking you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> poor personal fucking uh, shit say when they don't want to actually own their you know, shit. <laughs> not be a shitty person that's what they say and it's like and 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 then convenient he had to, logic convenient logic is almost always bullshit it's it, oh almost yes. always convenient a con logic. i 100% agree it's with almost that. always a con convenient logic and 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 moral i don't think that the pod that the that the the rory mall pod is going to keep going because during the episode joe had the nerve to say i don't owe nobody respect <laughs> I give respect willingly where I want to. I mean, he's technically accurate. He is accurate. <laughs> but then your friends have the right to say, well, then I don't want to fuck with you, nigga. And you're basically saying, hey, I'm a dick. Listen. I reserve the right to be a dick anytime that I want. No, uh, no, no, no. And see, the randos are the ones <laughs> who get that. That's basically what he just said. Exactly. And I'm just like, nah, B. Nah. I, I owe my friends some respect. 
Now, them as being my friends don't hold you to it all the time and their understanding of lapses in, in, in judgment. But I owe my friends respect because they have earned it. Do you not owe people respect who have earned your respect? And are you not friends with people because they've earned your respect? I'm just, I just don't see how this nigga came to that conclusion and then felt emboldened to say that in public like that was the right thing. <laughs> I could totally see why people don't want to work with Joe now. I could totally see it. I like Joe as an entertainer, but I could totally see why Olivia Dope left the fucking podcast and was like, peace, <laughs> nigga, because you are a hypocrite. You don't respect women. You don't respect people in general. And I'm not going to sit here and empower you to tell people that you do when you don't. That's why I think that Olivia Dope left. That's why I think Rory and Maul genuinely sat out for six weeks because they don't want to empower Joe to lie to people. That's a fucked up thing to do. You know what I mean? Like, he can make his own narratives all he wants. We've seen enough video of Joe to know otherwise. <laughs> we've seen enough love and hip-hop to know that Joe is full of shit. So we, We've seen his relationships publicly enough to know that Joe's not good with people, even people that love him. <laughs> so, you know, I, I wish Joe was just a little bit more self-aware and less... Own your shit, bro. Own it. Own it. I, you know what I mean? Like everybody who who's really making progress in their own lives is owning it. And making progress in your business is not making progress in your personal life. So while I give Joe all of his kudos on his on his network moves, my man, that 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 look you showed on the, the pod last week was not it. I mean, it is what it is. I'm not mad at you, but that right there, I don't think is gonna keep your pod together. It's not gonna, it's not gonna it's not going to keep your friendships, you know, when the work goes away. You know what I mean? I don't think that Rory's going to want to talk to you <laughs> when the pod's when, when the pod's gone after you went through this whole roller coaster only to come back on the episode and say that Maul should have never backed Rory because I was actually right about that. Maul took a stand because he saw what happened to Rory and didn't agree with it. That was eventually that was expounded upon and. Joe had the nerve to say, you're my friend. Why are you back at Rory? <laughs> and I'm like, nigga, are you three years old? That's funny. Maul was backing the pod. You were making bad decisions for the pod. So Maul stood on his principle like he always says he does. We all, I, I mean, I know I like to shit on Maul like he don't, like he doesn't actually stand on any of the shit he says, but that's just me being a hater. Maul actually stood on the shit that he said. He said, yo, nah, it's not right for you to just unilaterally tell Rory to stay home. Nah, that ain't right. And he stood on it. I respect that way more than I respect Joe trying to pull a mea culpa only to come back on the air and say all of the shit that he stands on. I don't know. Just my personal opinion. But, you know, I, I, I like watching that because I take this all as a cautionary tale. I'll never go through Joe's problems. That, that was one thing I can promise myself. Not to say I won't have problems. I'll never repeat Joe's problems. <laughs> I'll never do that because he is he watching watching his star burn <laughs> helps me keep the, the fuel for my own. You know what I mean? Like because his is gonna burn bright and fast. There's a lot to be learned from watching the people fuck up. Oh yeah. And just hope you're not learning the wrong lessons. Yeah, yeah. Don't learn how to fuck up. Learn how to <laughs> not fuck up. But yeah, I was definitely happy to see see the boys back in the in the studio and get some some genuine uh, 
uh, clarity as to what was going on there. But yeah, in some other news, gaming uh, related news, dude, I had no idea that Africa had such a uh, a thriving gaming community. And evidently, the Ivory Coast is is poised to become a big factor in esports, which I love. I love because you know. Black people swag out everything, nigga. I can't <laughs> wait to see black people swag out fucking esports properly, bro. That shit's gonna be awesome. I I I am looking forward. I will watch esports for the Ivory Coast team. All black everything. I'm <laughs> I'm going all black people down down the list. <laughs> but yeah, dude, I was really excited to see that. I thought that was cool, man. Um, I think the primary the primary um games that they're competing in are Overwatch. And Counter Strike, I want to say, but I'm not sure. Um, I would like, to, I w- I would be pleasantly surprised to see if they were getting into to the MMO, the esports MMO scene, because I don't know. I kind of I like watching WoW Arena matches. I'm I'm that kind of loser. Do I they love... still do that. Yeah, yeah. WoW Arena matches are are still a thing. Um, you know, I would love to see Guild Wars matches. You know, I don't know if those those uh, games are popular in Ivory Coast, but I'm interested. I'm interested. I'm about to start start yeah, looking it, for some outlets. It seems outlets. like most likely that you'd get games that are a bit more accessible, you know, because, yeah. you know, it takes a whole lot to make a function in MMO uh, 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 PvP a lot team. Of, a lot of MMOs do not have functioning African servers. That's funny. So they don't have African language support because, you know, it, and, and I kind of understand that only because there, I think there's... There's over a hundred um, cataloged languages that are spoken in regions of Africa. Like you would never be able to proliferate that market effectively with the amount of work that goes into yeah, adapting your games. That kind of localization. Yo, my G. Expensive. Oh, well, I mean, and, and I'm sure that they that they could work. They can create an industry for it, but it's still a lot of work. Yeah. A lot, a lot of work. Yeah, it would have to be already thriving pretty well for them to build an industry around it you know what i mean yeah they don't have the infrastructure well, I believe to support that, that there's there's probably a lot of african translators on the ground like i i, I mean because africa is as much as they, we like to talk about africa as a third world continent but it, it, it's really not it has a lot of thriving centers and and the people of africa are just as industrious as the rest of the world so i imagine they have a, a significant amount of of translators but it's like localization you, you yep. the organization of that continent wide you know what i mean would be really 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 big um because i mean you go from the north where arabic is a huge is 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 one of the main languages all the way down to the south where swaziland is one of the the big languages like there's just too much difference and those languages don't have a lot of uh of overlap like chinese and japanese has a ton of overlap so there's you know what i mean there's a lot of uh it's less work to localize to chinese than it is to localize to afrikan you know what i mean that would be crazy, but yeah, I'm very excited to see that the uh, that the gaming uh, scene in Ivory Coast is is jumping off. But uh, yeah, and it makes me think because I never really, because I you know I'm always looking for places outside of the America that I could consider potentially moving to. So I'm like, oh, maybe I need to be looking at the Ivory Coast. You know, what I mean, it's got a pretty rough past. The Ivory Coast. Yeah, a lot of human bodies left the that's, Ivory that's Coast. Not, but. That's not enough to sell you, bruh. Oh, what, they get it into esports? <laughs> Time to move. <laughs> I'm out. Might need a few more, uh, uh, need a few more pros before yeah. that's worse. Well, I mean, and mainly the reason why that in particular, not 
uh, kind of says maybe there's development here that I could be looking at, not because of the video game esports, but because internet infrastructure is a precludes a certain level of social infrastructure. So I'm assuming that if they've advanced to have enough uh, internet infrastructure to have esports, then they have a lot of other infrastructure to support the esports. So you're right. I'm not. <laughs> if you're moving to some place just for esports, you might want to give it a deeper thought. But I'm just saying, you know, the, the whole reason why why it's intriguing to me is because I think that precludes a lot of other positive notes that would would Signs make it of growth. Yes, 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 yes. There was that going on, and then um, did you see? Uh, so Microsoft and Discord were in talks. I think we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. So that's fallen through, and it looks like it fell through because Discord is actually interested in making a public offering, which, as somebody who's a, a, a fledgling investor, is very interesting to me because I, the, uh, Discord is is a backbone technology. I, and that's just yeah. a phrase I made up. But when I say a backbone technology, a lot of other, it, that kind of server-based voice over IP can be a linchpin to many other disparate services that just utilize that function. It's it's a it's a extremely functional uh, uh, IP to have that opens doors to many other many other areas. Um, and so, yeah, I'm very interested in watching that closely because. That has, a, I think, a ton of potential. I think Discord is, especially in its independence, has the ability to be a very uh, lucrative offering on the public market, for sure. Um, not just to mention that its, its general services that they offer are amazing. They're, they're really quality services. Like, I don't know. You use Discord, correct? Yeah. How, what is your experience with it as an as a application? Uh, it's amazing. It's it's one of those things where it's kind of perfect because it does exactly what you need it to do without any unnecessary. None of the extra shit that it does interrupts why you're using it. That's why I love Discord. Discord has so many options. There's so much you could do with it with discord none none of which interferes why i'm actually using in uh discord so many times you have these these apps and while they're really good at doing what they do every other ancillary thing that they try to do interrupts your ability to do (laughs) what you want to use the app for discord does not do that at all if you want to use discord and all you want to do is talk to one other person somewhere across the world world via the internet you can do so free of charge with zero interruption this is not an ad by the way i'm just saying i love discord personally and i am super excited to see it move into the public realm this is one that i want to jump in on the ground level because i think that that's going to be a, a a a property that even if if uh moving forward it does a public offering it, its value will only go up and it will be purchased by someone else. It will be purchased by someone else. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, it's so much better than every other uh, VOIP service that it, it, it's only a matter of time. There's too many big fish in the sea for it to, to, to stand alone. It's too good. It's too good. But yeah, that was super exciting. I was really glad to see that, that pop across. Moving on from that. Um, Dude, I saw something really interesting in ecology because, so I think it, I want to say it was, was it 2021? Yeah, 17 years ago. So 2004, I was in Indianapolis 
And I experienced something that I had never experienced before, which was the emergence of a cicada brood. <laughs> My God. <laughs> that shit is scary. Okay? Like, when you see in movies, like, the locust swarms, that's what a cicada swarm looks like. The only difference is that cicadas don't have jaws, whereas locusts have very active jaws, and they eat everything. <laughs> um, but cicadas... They can't hurt you. Like, if you got caught in a locust swarm, they would eat you alive, literally. But a cicada can't actually hurt you. But, boy, seeing a fog of insects, just like... And, I mean, it's not ending. Like, it doesn't end for weeks. Like, that fog of insects descends and stays for... When I was in Indianapolis, I was there for four days, and it didn't stop at all. Like, it was so bad that they had to have massive fans pointing to blow air out (laughs) of the doorways of the airport... To prevent cicadas from flooding the airport. That's funny. And I say all that to say, we got a cicada brood emerging this year. And I think it's coming up in the next week or two, actually. But the 2021, I think it's uh, brood 13. I think this is a brood 13. So there's two types of broods. There's a 13-year brood and a 17-year brood. And I think this is the 13-year brood. And they're about to emerge. And it's going to be, it's all across the mid eastern seaboard into the midwest so they go from like new york down to georgia and then all the way west to uh oklahoma and that shit is fucking crazy and i don't know if anybody is is actually interested in this This is my own little nerdy ecology shit but definitely look into it because i don't think anyone in california has ever experienced something like that the closest thing they've ever experienced was the monarch uh butterfly swarm that came up from mexico recently i think a year or two ago and there were just like butterflies everywhere <laughs> everywhere like they were all over the place people were like wow this is crazy well wait till you see cicadas because they're just loud and obnoxious and they have Definitely. red eyes and they're big they're like an inch and a half long like uh, it was the worst thing ever <laughs> i <laughs> actually don't want to I don't look forward to ever going through that again, but it is quite a sight to behold. But I thought that was a, a cool little, cool little uh, point of news that came across the feed. Moving on from that, um, you know, I saw I was watching one of my <laughs> one of my favorite things to watch is uh, Adam Conover, who does Adam Ruins Everything, and he did a really interesting episode on NFTs. And some of the issues that that are arising with the economy of NFTs. And so because most NFTs are based on cryptocurrencies for trading uh, purposes, what ends up happening is, is that you have to farm the cryptocurrency to create value in the, the, the base, the coin base of your NFT. When doing that, you're, you're technically taking you know a whole server rooms full of computers running them at full blast 24 7 for however long it takes to 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 mine that node this is becoming this is very rapidly becoming an ecological disaster right now if you were to take all of the computers running uh uh just cryptocurrency mining software you took all the server base they consume as much electricity as Las Vegas. If you know, Las Vegas consumes an absorbent amount of electricity, an immense amount of electricity, so much so that it literally can't have neighboring cities because they have to direct all of the electricity 
to that. Henderson's not a neighboring city. It is a small city conjoined to, to Las Vegas. Um, so yeah, there's, you can't, Las Vegas takes an immense, uh, a tremendous strain on its, on its, um, grid. And what we're doing is, is we're slowly but surely creating Las Vegas's all over the world, which is, is inevitably going to cause ecological disaster. You cannot create Las Vegas's all over the world. That, that city is an immense, uh, drain on its environment. And so I thought it was a really interesting uh, uh, avenue to approach the uh, the topic of NFTs uh, from as an ecological issue because it is, and and that is is one that's very salient to me. We cannot keep on creating systems and institutions that drain the very environment around them. It's very problematic. You know what I mean? Like it was one thing when we were doing it before we understood, you know, prior to the 60s when we really didn't have a, uh, a grasp of ecological science the way we do today. But we know. We know you cannot create these kind of massive uh, 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 like urban urbanized data centers to farm value in a fictitious currency and not expect it to have negative ramifications on our on our, our on our ecology. It's it's we can't. And that's never part of the discussion when people are talking about crypto. Everyone wants you to buy a bitcoin, but nobody wants to t- wants to deal with the fact that it takes a small city's worth of of computing power to even mine a bitcoin. Like that's a problem. Like we have a problem with blood diamonds, right? You know what I mean? If we have a yeah. problem with the fact that people murder humans to get diamonds, we should have a problem with the fact that you're murdering the planet to get Bitcoin. You know what I mean? And so while I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very big proponent of what NFTs could be used for positively and what the blockchain in and of itself could be used for for societal progress, I am not at all ent- entertained by the idea of... of destroying our world to create fictitious value because that is in the end what we're doing we're draining electricity that is created from fossil fuels to solve puzzles algorithms to create value in an economy in an economic system that all the value is is fictitious in the first place like it doesn't seem to make sense to do this but of course, financialization will tell you, just do it. Just do it. People are putting money in it. Bitcoin's at 65 Gs, my nigga. But it's like, yeah, but it can we sustain that? You know what I mean? Like, can we? I mean, I was wrong. I said that Bitcoin was going to crash two weeks after Biden's um, inauguration. But, you know, I was actually expecting things to change that would cause people to reinvest back into the dollar. But Biden, of course, is continuing on the American uh, uh, experiment or or uh, the uh, American goal of just financializing every sector of our economy so that we don't have to worry about labor anymore. Like Biden is very much doing that. But I will say this, and, I, and I'll, I'll segue into to, to one of my other topics here, is that the Biden administration made a very interesting uh, move recently. Um, 
Marty, what's his name? Marty Walsh, the labor secretary in, in Biden's administration, made a, a very interesting uh, announcement that he believes. Now, he's a labor secretary. He has a lot of power to move these these markets. He says that he believes that a lot of gig workers should be considered employees. That's huge. It's so huge that it caused tech stocks to, to nosedive. <laughs> because everyone knows that tech stocks are inflated because of the of the exploitation of gig workers. Tech stocks only have the value they have because they will not pay their workers. And the idea, and 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 I and I think that that's even more solidified by the fact that all Marty had to do was say, "I think gig workers are employees." A lot of times, for people to completely pull out of that shit, just like nope, 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 <laughs> that shit is a house of cards waiting to be blown over. And I and and I thought that that was really actually positive. Now I don't I don't know if they're actually going to come through on this. I have very little faith in the Biden administration. I'm pretty sure that the majority of times that they say something good, it's only in the service of tricking you. But that's actually a huge, huge, huge push in the right direction uh, uh, for labor uh, labor legislation, to say the least. You know, because I'm always over here pushing like, "Yo, unionization is great, solidarity." You know, join your that's a huge one because part of the reason why it's hard for um, subcontractors to um, to unionize is because union laws only protect employees. And so when subcontractors organize, they can just be fired. No legal ramifications. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so the idea that they are employees and that the government recognizes them as employees gives them the ability to, to, to unionize. Which is huge, 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 huge. You know what I mean? And and so yeah, I thought that that was a a, a positive uh, segue into some of our social and political topics. Um, we'll move on from that. Uh, so you know, I gave my RIPs earlier. We got uh, Elizabeth City, North Carolina, uh, police murder, Andrew Brown Jr. released the body cam footage. His hands were on the wheel. He was shot in the back of the head. How, you can't reform this. Cannot reform this. Cannot reform this. Like, if you listen to this podcast and you think that the police are reformable, hit me up and let's have a conversation. Because I, I'm, I am for all that smoke. I want that conversation. Because it's, it's such an easy one to have. There is no reforming an institution that shoots someone in the back of the head lies refuse to put out the body cam footage and then when they do they only release 20 seconds of it because the rest of it would cause a literal fucking riot you can't reform that and it's not like the surrounding police departments were like nah we don't fuck with them that's 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 elizabeth we don't do that no they all have solidarity that's why they're all complicit their police are a national brotherhood believe that nigga there's no, like, my police are good and those police are bad. They're all fucking part of a system of oppression. There's no such thing as a good cop. We can try to create a system that is better than what we have, and in which case we could try to move forward. But in the current system, there is no such thing as a good cop, period. And I know cops. My, Ricardo, my cousin, is a cop. 
Ricardo Morrison, and when he comes to me, he, he, he has pain in his eyes because of the decisions he's had to make. So don't tell me that there's good cops because even the good cops know that they're bad cops. Even the good cops know they are the bad cops. So stop. Stop it. It's a, it, it, it's a, a flaccid, weak argument that anything other than complete defunding in the route of abolition is the, is the only route. That is the only route available to fix this issue. You want to make another agency and try to build it from the ground up better than what we had? Sure. But the shit that we have now ain't working, ain't gonna work. They don't want it to work. Actually, let me rephrase that. It works perfectly. It works perfectly for what they want. That is why it will not change. This is not a fluke. This is not a bug. It is a feature of the oppressive system that they created. Yes, they welcome minorities in because it's easier to control minorities when it's a minority face that's spitting at them. That does not mean that that institution is not wholly racist and prejudiced on the face of it, period. Elizabeth City is just the latest, just the latest. Alameda police just fucking choked the guy out for nothing. For nothing. A Karen called the police on Mario Gonzalez because he was sitting on a bench and speaking loudly. You know what the police came and did? They came and murdered him. That's fucking terrorism to me. In my opinion, that woman who called the police should be in jail. That is, that is, and not that I believe in jail as a, as a system, but if we're going to live in that environment, that is the offense that deserves to be, that deserves incarceration. Not the man who's speaking loudly in public. The offense comes when Tucker Fartson fucking tells what people call the cops when you see children with masks on in public. That's terrorism. You're playing on the fear that people have of an oppressive force to try to curtail their natural freedoms. That's terrorism. White people calling the cops is terrorism in my eyes. You can't convince me otherwise unless you got some real good evidence. But if all you're going to tell me is that without the cops would be bedlam, it's bedlam now. It's bedlam when a young girl defending herself gets shot by the police. It's it's malfeasance when people who commit mass murders get taken alive and people who commit no crime get murdered. That is bedlam. That is that is the problem. All of the shit that you're that people are saying is going to befall us without the police are befalling us right now. <laughs> it's happening right now. We can't keep on going around in circles with this. We can't keep on going around with circle in circles with this. It's not gonna. It's not. It's not going to. Obviously, going in circles ain't gonna get you nowhere. But it's gonna. It's gonna cause more detriment than good. Because while you're going in circles, people are dying. And so I, I'm not really too too interested on the the federal level, people trying to entertain that argument, because clearly they are only interested in perpetuating that system. But on the ground, the people who actually have the power to, to, to do something about the police, 
we need to to galvanize the idea in the public that the police are not their friends because they're really not. They're really not. And even and, and, and even when you know police and they take off their uniform and they're they're at your cookout and they're at your blah blah blah. You're looking at somebody who who on the drop of a dime could get a phone call, put on a uniform, and go murder someone. Know that. That's that's what these people are capable of. You know what I mean? So I don't see that it is any different than, you know, going to to a, a, a blood set cookout and being around a bunch of people who can murder someone on the drop of a dime. You know what I mean? I don't see the police any different than I see your 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 average gang member out there. They just have their own gang. They just got their own set. And they should be dealt with like a violent gang. But that is what it is. I did. I, it just it tears me up every time this happens, and it just happens more and more and more and more frequently. But um, yeah. And case in point, let's segue to the next topic. So the the census information is starting to to come back after being processed, and they're showing red states are actually growing. A lot of of Democratic bastion states like New York, California, lost seats. They lost seats in the House of Representatives, meaning people are leaving from these states and either leaving the country or going to red states because red states gained seats. So this is not an issue that we're going to be able to solve through electoral politics. The, the, the Republicans and, and the people in power on both sides, they knew what they were doing when they got Trump elected. They got what they wanted out of them, and now they're they're moving to fix the system so that it never produces that outcome again, because they got what they wanted from that outcome. And 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 it's problematic, man, because you know this Biden administration. I might have a few nice things to say here and there, but for the most part, they're just pushing a lot of the the same bullshit policies that 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 uh prior administrations have been pushing. I mean. You look at that at Biden's uh, refugee policies, trash, trash league. He's been sent. He sent back more Haitians than Trump already. And Haitians need this isn't a pandemic. You want to know why the Haitians are looking for refuge? Because it's a fucking global pandemic. <laughs> like it's a very, you know, they're sending Haitians back in that in that in that that uh, situation is, is foolhardy. It's foolhardy. Because all you're doing is forcing is, is is making issues worse off in places where people are trying to alleviate pressure. I mean, you got you got the, the border of Mexico that that is is becoming, you know, more and more inundated because they're refusing to let South Americans through the border for asylum. And 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 what? And, and to what end? To what end? You know what I mean? Biden's doing all of this and it's. It's not assuaging the the immigration crisis, or I wouldn't say it was a crisis, but the immigration issues that we have. He's doing all of these things, and it's not helping. So it's not as if you know he can say, "Well, we're working on it." No, you're not. You're literally exacerbating the problem, literally. And so it's it's very disheartening. It's very disheartening, and and I, it's hard to to organize people because there's no left politics in america you know we our our electoral politics has collapsed um and there's no populist organizations to to 
to organize people to interface with the government. There's there's zero interface between the people and the government. And so there's no way for these things to change unless the people in government lead that change. And that's not happening. It's not going to happen, I don't think. I mean, I can't tell the future, but it doesn't strike me as what's coming down the pipe for us is huge governmental change. Especially not when you got dumbass Kamala Harris out here talking about America's not racist. Racism's over in America. So, you know, you you just, you can't trust the politicians. They're full of shit. You know what I mean? They're playing the identity politics thing. Poorly, I might add. And and it's just, it's, 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 it's sad because there's so many people who still buy into the system. There's so many people who still play that game as if the rules are situated for them to, to win. And it's like, no, you can play the game. But just know, you're always going to lose. You're the little brother here. You're the little brother playing Monopoly who doesn't know how to cheat yet. And you're going to keep losing because the other person's cheating. <laughs> it's just one of those things. And, and the American public really needs to consolidate around a real, you know, populist ideology. And when I say populist, I don't mean like the libertarian or the Trump populist end. I mean, just a real ideology that encompasses people's best interest. Because that's really what populism is. Populism is the people organizing to influence government to do things in their best interest. That's all populism is. Now, it's been destroyed because Republicans are the ultimate corruptors of everything. They co-opt and corrupt. That's all they do. Co-opt, corrupt. It's a game. It's a it's a it's a flawless game plan for them thus far. But real populism is super necessary because it is the only form of solidarity that can mobilize people that I know of really outside of the 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 prevalent electoral political system that we have in America, you know, or political systems that exist in other places. But in our case, our electoral political system. We need to form some kind of solidarity among people, you know, and this is, you know, this is why I think that like state pride and all of that shit does more to hurt the average American than to benefit them. The idea that workers in Nevada are somehow different than workers in California is crazy. They're all humans. And so they have a baseline, you know, uh, uh, commonality of having human needs met and then Beyond that, they might have different professional needs, which can be addressed based on their own individual industries, but we all have human needs. And we all need to understand that whether I'm in LA or Elizabeth City, humans need generally the same things to survive. And so unless we organize as people to demand that our government provide those things en masse like they should, because a government is just an organization of excess resources. If we don't come together and demand that our government does that, then that government is going to utilize those excess resources in other ways that we might not agree with. And without that solidarity, without that populist solidarity, we have no say or we there's nothing that we can do about it. We're just the hapless victims of political chicanery. And I don't want to be that. And I, nor do I think that anyone should want to be that. 
but yeah, you know, we definitely need to to work on our our solidarity methods out, outside of of the current politics because, you know, there is no left in America. There is nothing that creates any solidarity in America outside of the mainstream. The mainstream is the only real solidarity in America. And anyone who deviates from the mainstream is a is 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 a, an ignorant fucking racist evidently. You know what I mean? And it's like, mm, no, I don't think that that is what it is. I think that maybe the mainstream support of electoral politics is what's disenfranchising people who actually need real change in their lives, who, who, who expect government to do something that, that they were elected and paid to do. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see. And there, there's, there's so many issues that have to deal with the, with the uh, failings of our electoral politics and the need of a new politics. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where that goes. You know, here, I'll wrap up on this one because this was uh, a story that I found very depressing and I don't want to keep on getting more depressing after this. And that was um, the failure of Andrew Yang to, to come through with any policy reforms in his campaign for New York mayor. And, that, and that's really sad because in the beginning of his campaign, he really kind of exemplified himself as what I just said, a, a link between, you know, governance and the populist needs of the people. That's what he built himself as. He said, I can be that link that brings the compassionate side of capitalism to the public for the best interest of everyone. That was his whole thing. I don't believe that, honestly, but I rather if I have to to get behind a capitalist for, you know, for uh, political office, I'd rather get behind that kind of capitalist than, let's say, like a Joe Manchin type capitalist who's just like, I'm really just a Republican. I only put the D next to my name because it's it's easy and it's it's powerful. I don't actually believe any of that stuff. You know, I don't want that kind of 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 capitalist in, in, in my politics if I can help it. But if we're going to have to deal with capitalists, I'd rather deal with Andrew Yang type of capitalists, typically. But through the course of his whole campaign, now he so his UBI, his idea to, to really kick off, kick this idea off of helping the, the public in New York was to pilot a UBI program. From what I understood, it was supposed to be so his UBI initially that he was proposing was a thousand dollars a month, which seemed reasonable. Like that absolutely affects a person's life. A thousand dollars a month? Absolutely. That is substantial, um, especially if you're already living below the poverty line. That could be half of your that could be literally half of your year's income, twelve thousand dollars. And so that's hugely substantial. But then it became a thousand dollars a year. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, $1,000 a year is nice. Because I remember when I used to get tax returns. You know, you tax return season comes. You get that extra jizzle in your pocket. You're like, yo, let's go, you know, do something. Whatever. But still, that is a, that is a, a, a very, very, very paltry amount. Especially when you live in New York. Also, tax returns is money you already had. They're just True. giving it back to you. Absolutely. And so... It, it, be, it went from something that could be actually sustaining and helpful 
to something that might be a minor come up to where now he's at the point where he's like, it's $500 a year. And in, it only goes to people that we choose and we're going to fund it. We're going to cut public services to fund it. And I'm like, all right, dude, fuck you, bro. Fuck you. That's not what you said. That is absolutely literally not what you said. You said that people who are getting more from their current public services can keep them. And if UBI benefits you more, you can switch to that in lieu of the public services. But no one loses any benefits. You said that. Lying ass niggas. But I, I mean, yeah, who am I to get mad? Lying ass niggas. He's a politician. Literally, definition of politician is lying ass nigga, right? <laughs> like you look up the definition and it gives you the 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 one you know a person who engaged in politics second lying ass nigga I mean, the, not only a, the that too but it's like like the same shit i mentioned last week with the judge and fucking our governor like it's easy to say any and any and any old thing when you're up there in front of the podium you know what i mean mm-hmm. whether or not you can actually do that is something completely entire, regardless of how much you want to accomplish it, whether or not, how much, whether or not it's possible for you to actually do it. But that was the fucked up part entirely. about what he did. Cause you remember what his slogan was? No, I do not. Math. <laughs> no, math. Not. He said he did the math, but it's not just about the math though. A lot mm-hmm. of times it's about interpersonal relationships. It's politics. It's not just about where the money is mm-hmm. there. It's about who's tying up the money and your ability to influence that person. True. I mean, you got to have good relations with the comptroller. You got to have, you know, really good relations with the treasurer of the of the of the city because, you know, both of those positions while they don't make the policy, they can gum that shit up. Yep. They could absolutely run circles around mm-hmm. you. I mean, um, also, it's like as we've seen now, politics uh politics attracts the worst type of people. Mm-hmm. Politics attracts <laughs> the worst type of people if someone is in politics and they are genuinely a good person and a genuinely good politician they are absolutely the minority yes i would agree with you 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 can probably count them on two hands i agree oh 100 so it's like you know it's yeah yeah i you know i i you know what my problem is is that i project too fucking much when it comes to politics i know that if i'm talking to someone or i'm listening to someone speak i'm their words i want to hear their words i want to to probe what they're saying to see if there's anything valid in it you know and so i assume that when people are speaking to me they they also want to project those kind of you know you're you're being honest is essentially what i'm saying i project onto to politicians the honesty that I would expect from somebody who's attempting to run for public on, uh, office. And they're just not. And I shouldn't do that. Historically, I shouldn't do that. I've literally had nothing that ratifies that idea in my mind. I just can't help it. When Andrew Yang says, no, we did the numbers. This is completely plausible. And I have the numbers here to the point where it's you know irrefutable. I believe him. Yeah, my nigga probably did have the numbers. But some dude was like, I'm not letting you do that. Are you fucking crazy? You think you're about to give all those people money and make yourself look good and me who's been sitting in this position and not for 30 years it? not look good? <laughs> Fuck out of life. Your plan is fantastic, but I'm not going to let you do it. Wow. And isn't that a... Uh, man, I just got to get out of here, man. It's just more and more, I'm like, oh, this is just an unsavory place for me. You know, you're right. You're abs- I, I think you're right in your assumption of to what happened as to what happened. But do, I just don't want to... 
I don't want to deal with in, in a place where those kind of people are empowered. I know there's no place to go. <laughs> there's no place to go. All right. So we'll go ahead and wrap up on that. There's no place to go, everyone. We're stuck here. We can learn to deal with it. But no, <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. Thank you for joining us. You can follow us on the social media. You can find me on Twitter at Korea underscore T and at Home Heron. You can find me on Instagram at Heron's Home Podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at Rico underscore G sound. And always remember, guys, time's only wasted if you choose to waste it. So learn from your mistakes. It's the only thing you ever truly will learn from. Thanks for joining us. Have a great one, guys. Peace. Take it easy.